Good morning. Welcome to Knox Church. You who've called this church home for decades and maybe decades and decades. You who are just trying to find a church home. Maybe you've just moved to the city for school or for work. You who haven't been to church in a while and you who've never been to church before. Whatever your story is, wherever you've been and wherever you're going, you are so welcome here and we are very glad that you're with us, especially on this, our Welcome Sunday and with our Welcome Barbecue. We hope that you feel and experience that welcome. We hope that before you leave today, you know somebody, you've met somebody that you didn't meet before. My name is Nick, and I'm the associate minister here at Knox, and it is my pleasure to serve this community, to serve these people, and I hope to serve you and to get to know how Jesus is working in your life, too. We are a church that is following Jesus, loving the city, and serving the world. And you'll hear that every week that you choose to worship with us. It's who we are. It's what we're about. It's the lens through which we should evaluate all of our life together. But what does it mean to say those things? There's so much depth behind each of those three ideas that every year at this time, as we return from whatever our summers meant, as a new school year and a new ministry year begins, as many people visit our church and try to determine for themselves if this will be their church home, We spend three weeks to talk about the ideas which root us as a community. This week, we begin with the most foundational aspect of our vision, that we are following Jesus. And that's radical, I know, for a church to say that they're following Jesus. And we would surely hope that every church can say that they are a people that is following Jesus. That is what it is to be a Christian, after all. Jesus is Lord was the first creed, the first statement of faith made by the Christian church. And in it is the deeply political and problematic sentiment that Herod is not Lord, Caesar was not Lord, that there is one Lord who is Jesus Christ, and he only is worthy to be honored and obeyed. And that truth took on new meaning for me in this past week. As Her Majesty the Queen, a faithful follower of Jesus herself, was called to him, and His Majesty King Charles III ascended the throne. We'll pray for these things and these people later in the service, but as I reflected on that news and the frenzy of news that it was and is, I was confronted with the fact that Jesus is Lord, and while it's easy to say that Caesar is not and Herod is not, it's sometimes harder to say that Elizabeth is not. And Charles is not, and neither are Justin or Doug, though sometimes we may feel they think they are. Jesus alone is Lord, and to him alone does our allegiance belong, and to his kingdom alone do we seek citizenship within. And so we remind ourselves of that simple truth at the beginning of our vision statement, that is the core of who we are as a people and central to all that we do that we are following Jesus. What does it mean to be a follower? Social media perhaps has given us a new definition to work with. On TikTok, on Instagram, on Twitter, it seems that a follower is one who observes another, their photographs, 
their thoughts, their videos, and their interests. We follow our friends and our relatives. We follow influencers and politicians. We follow activists and movie stars. And is this the way that we follow Jesus as a church? We certainly pay attention to the way of Jesus. We listen for his words and we consider them. But naturally, our following is far deeper than this. The image used in the psalm which was read for us today is that of a sheep and a shepherd. We are followers even as sheep are followers. Sheep are flock animals, and the social dynamics of the herd mean that they readily and naturally follow a leader to new pasture. And this makes them a great target for human domestication. We inserted ourselves into their social hierarchy. We gave them a new leader to follow in the shepherd. And they follow diligently, as is their nature to do. This kind of following is not as popular these days as that first kind which we discussed. If somebody called you or me a sheep, I don't think we would readily take that as a compliment. To mindlessly follow is discouraged in us from childhood. If all your friends were to jump off a bridge, would you do it too? We are encouraged through education and socialization to be leaders. This is the ideal life to lead others. Yet the psalmist says to be led by the Lord, to be a follower of God, is to lack nothing. That seems a lot different than what we see in our lives. In our world, the people who seem to lack nothing are titans of industry, are the rich and the powerful, are leaders of thousands of people. It's almost as if leadership allows one the opportunity to derive from their followers the very things which make for a life, a life of no lack, of no want, while depriving others of those same things. Yet with us, we believe it is the sheep in pursuit of that shepherd Lord who truly lack nothing. We genuinely believe that if you follow Jesus, you'll lack nothing. If we believe there was some better way, some path that was more edifying, I, I wouldn't be wasting my time doing this. We would surely follow that other person, do that other thing. But we are utterly convinced by the teaching and work of Jesus. There's a story in John's gospel that always captures my imagination. Jesus has just spent a few days teaching, and now he said something that... Well, it's turned the crowds off of him. And he realizes that he's made them uncomfortable, but he insists that what he's saying is necessary so they don't want to follow him anymore. They all leave, and it's just the 12 who remain. And Jesus asks them, well, don't you want to go as well? What are you still doing here? And Peter responds, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go. There's no one else to follow. Jesus alone has the words of eternal life. So we follow him, and we find that we lack nothing. We believe that Jesus spoke truth, 
and that his coming to take human flesh, serving the lost and the least, dying to defeat death and rising to new life, returning to his Father in glory, that all of these things are true and trustworthy, even as he said they were. He is the good shepherd, the one who cares for all of us who have at times been wandering and lost. And in him, we do lack nothing. And that's easy for us to say when it's all green pastures and quiet waters. But we all know that it's not. We've all known our share of trouble, of hardship, of sadness, and of pain. How can we say that we lack nothing? The psalmist seems to suggest that there are two reasons for the lack which we sometimes feel we experience, the state of our souls and the state of the world. Let's take the first, the state of our souls. The psalm says, he refreshes my soul, and some of us may know he restores my soul. But both of these might be masking for us one of the key interpretations of that phrase. Because in the 4th century, when Saints Ambrose and Augustine were reading this same text, the words they read were, he converts my soul. The subtext here is one of a wandering sheep. A sheep that's got distracted from the herd, that lost the call of the shepherd, that got stuck in a pit, or whatever the case may be, and needs some assistance needed to be retrieved, needed to be restored to the herd and back to the shepherd's care. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, the prophet Isaiah reminds us. And in our straying, we may find lack and want and trouble. But we will not lack for long because the good shepherd seeks us out, restores us and converts us again to his way. We need the shepherd who knows how to find us when we're lost, knows how to fetch us when we could never have made it on our own, knows the good paths which bring safety and justice to us and to all. He guides us along right paths for his name's sake. Yes, it is the reputation of God that is on the line in all of this. Our walking in the way of justice is a testimony to the leading of our good shepherd. Our enacting of goodness is a revelation of the God who is good. Whatever good thing our church has done in its history, whatever new thing God may do among us in this year, and whatever brilliant and right thing that God will do in our future, all of these are right paths for his name's sake. None of it is to our credit, but a reminder of the salvation of our God who took us from the pit to the ways of righteousness, which are good for us and good for our world. We choose to follow Jesus because we have experienced that rescue of the shepherd. We have known the truth that we're more lost than we'd ever let on, that we're more wicked than we would ever say out loud. And in following Jesus, we have experienced tastes of justice which make us long for that next pasture of righteousness that he will bring us to. We live lives which are marked by death, yet in the way with Jesus, we experience more life than we ever imagined was possible. Truly, as we follow him, we shall not want. 
The psalm doesn't attribute all the trouble that we may know to our wandering souls, however. Rather, it also acknowledges the darkest valley, which many of us may recall as the valley of the shadow of death. There is death in our world. There is sin, which is the denatured reality of creation itself. There is pain, which we know and which we did not bring upon ourselves, nor did another cause it. It simply is. The cancer diagnosis, the addiction relapse, the death of a loved one, the struggle to conceive, the computer that crashes when you haven't saved your work, the textbook that you lost while studying for midterms, the valley of the shadow of death. Yet even here, we have reason for hope because we walk through it. We walk through the darkest valley when we could be sat in it, when we could be overcome by it, But our shepherd leads us through. We walk and we do not linger because he is with us. Fear need not overcome us. Danger shall not threaten us. We walk with one who would die to wolves before surrendering his flock. And in Christ we know that we follow one who did submit to far worse than wolves for our sake and overcame them to new life. That's why we follow. We are utterly convinced by our experience and the testimony of those who have gone before us that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, the Christ, the one in whom we lack nothing. But what does it mean and what does it look like to follow Jesus? That is... 20 more sermons. That is the rest of our Christian experience. That is the life of discipleship. But the most important thought that I think exists for us today, after many years of isolation, after living in this culture where loneliness is endemic, the most important idea for us to remember is simply that we must follow Jesus in community. Sheep are herd animals, and church is a team sport. It doesn't work to follow Jesus alone. We rely on the witness and the experience of others to help us to see Jesus rightly in our lives, when we're sometimes too close to things to tell where God is and what God may be doing. We rely on the perspectives of others to understand the manifold ways that the Holy Spirit continues to speak through the scriptures. And we require the encouragement of others on the road to continue to live a faithful life of following Jesus. This means a few things. First, as much as possible, you should come to church. Be in community with other people who are following Jesus. If you're in person with us today, Try your best to come again next week and to come consistently beyond that. Make church a priority in your schedule, in your life. It's good for you. And if you're joining us online and you are able to come in person, then I invite you to do so. It really is for your good. We are the flock of Jesus together. We together follow him best.
Then the next thing I hope you'll consider is joining a home church. Home churches at Knox are the things that we call what you might know as small groups or cell groups or life groups. They are smaller, smaller communities of people that do Bible study together, that meet together for prayer and service and just spending time in community. And they really are the best and the easiest way to really get to know other people and to let them get to know you too as you sometimes experience trouble even as you follow Jesus. And then I'd encourage you to serve in the church somehow. Another really brilliant way to follow Jesus in community is to work together in ministry in Jesus' name. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Sometimes the teams that we serve on on, in the church are some of the best touchstones for relationships and friendships as we work toward a common cause and purpose together. And very often, they're the best way for our church to develop through you relationships with our neighbors who we're serving. We have to follow Jesus in community, and we hope that you'll do that together with us here. Jesus Christ is the King of Kings, the only Lord, the Son of God, and our Good Shepherd. We follow him because he is good to us. We follow him because his paths are right. We follow him because he alone restores our souls. We follow him together as a people, never alone, because the shepherd is with us, and the shepherd always leads us back to the flock. We are a church that is following Jesus imperfectly, which causes us trouble from time to time, and in an imperfect world, but we have no cause to fear because he is with us. Surely now we know that in him we lack nothing. Surely we can trust that his goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives, and so we can be glad to spend those lives following him. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you pray with me? Jesus, our Lord. Jesus, our shepherd. We have heard your call to follow you because you alone lead us in green pastures and beside quiet waters. You alone restore our souls. It is only because of you that we can walk in darkest valleys and fear no evil. It is only because of you that we can say we lack nothing. We pray that you would help us individually to follow you faithfully to hear your voice and be quick to come. We pray for our church that we would truly be known as a people who are following Jesus, that we would follow Jesus together, that we would see you in each other's lives and be drawn closer to you because of that. Help us who find Sundays a challenge to come and to encounter you, the living God. Help us who feel lonely and isolated to find community among your people. Help us to know your goodness and mercy all the days of our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen.
It is our practice here to leave a little bit of time for you to listen for that voice of Jesus speaking through the Holy Spirit, to reflect on the words which I've said, the words which the scripture were, and to consider what is Jesus saying to you? What is Jesus saying to us? And share that with us if you do hear something for us. And so this week, it's a simple question. How is Jesus calling you to follow him? Maybe you're not following him, but you feel like you should. Maybe you've been following him for a long time, but you should be following closer. And so whatever it is, spend a couple of minutes to pray and to reflect on that question.